Right, hello guys, and welcome back to Watch This Space, the Young Horologist podcast. Um, I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mr. Callum Moore. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Felix. How are you doing, mate? Good to see you, good to see you. Pretty excited. This is is an exciting one. So we're also joined by a a special guest, our first guest on the podcast. Mm. Am I the first guest? You are, you are the first guest. I didn't want to tell you that. Yeah, 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 (laughs) the pressure, the pressure. Um, We are joined by the founder of Mr. Jones Watches, Crispin Jones. How are you? Very good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice, nice to, to meet you too. Nice thank to you for you. thank you for having us in. Um, Chris has been kind enough to uh, show us around his workshop um, and sort of give us a bit of a bit of a tour of the uh, workshop and tell us about how Mr. Jones Watches came into existence. Um, mm. And he'll tell us a bit more about that now and uh, his own personal collection as well. Yeah, look, well, I, I was going to say looking forward to seeing it, but full disclosure, we have just spent the past <laughs> hour and ten minutes having said tour, we're now filming this after the, uh, after the fact, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but, you know, that doesn't matter really, does it? No. So we'll start this recording with, with the customary wristwatch check. Mm-hmm. Cal, what are you, what have you got on? Oh, do you want to give it, a, give it the background fix? We're wearing the, uh, the new Dorenzo. DRZ03. Nice. So we, uh, we reviewed their DRZ01 about two years ago. Uh, micro brand from Switzerland yeah. and um, yeah we reached out to Sergio um, and he said why don't you review my new watch that's coming out so these are yet to be released but we've just got them for a couple of weeks to wear have a play around with and write some sort of review on um, so yeah we're both actually wearing variations of the same watch we are and they've uh, they've deviated from the original design which was a pretty out there seven Friday looking kind of thing yeah and, of course, uh, yeah now they've gone to the mid-century dive watch idea. Yeah, they're um, they they've they've gone mid-century dive watch, but their own original spin. Yes, I feel it's not too ours. generic. I don't yeah. think, sort of Black Bay Fifty Eight esque, but not. Uh, yeah. Um, and what about you, Christmas? What have you What have you got on? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not I'm, allowed to say. I'm not allowed to say. It's embargoed. No. I'm wearing a pre-production sample of a watch we'll be releasing in probably July. It's nice. uh, it's it's very cool. Has to be said. We we can't say anything about it or show any photos, but it's uh, yeah, very cool indeed. Very cool. Be looking forward to seeing that coming out. Yeah, definitely. Right. There's now going to be a seamless transition between this clip and the rest of the interview. <laughs> so um, we'll just fade this one out and then pick up the other one. We're not going to interrupt you for too long, Paul. Don't worry. All right, so we're in um, the, the second unit that we have in here, which is where we do the printing. So the main bit of kit that we've got in here is the pad printer. And Paul, the printing machine. <laughs> the pad printer's like quite an old printing technology. It was originally developed for the Swiss watch industry, for printing dials at the end of the 19th century. Oh, end of the, yeah, end of the 19th century. Right. The, it's now mostly used for quite industrial um, printing on non-flat surfaces. The very technical ap- application of pad printing is printing on a golf ball, which is really difficult technically because a golf ball is spherical and dimpled. Sure. And the reason it can do it is the green part on there is the pad. Right. And that's a, a soft silicon surface that can deform to print onto whatever surface it's pressing down mm. on. Oh, okay. Maybe if you could run it through for us, Paul, just so yep. we can see the sequence. Essentially what's happening there is this part here is called the ink cup and that's got ink trapped against the surface of the plate. There's magnets that are holding it really tightly together and then the white part that you see is the ceramic blade which is like a industrial ceramic that scrapes any excess ink out of the engraved yeah. area. Oh, I just meant a plate. Do you want a so the plates are etched um, right. in quite a shallow way. So what happens when the blade pulls back is it scrapes any excess ink out of there. So the only ink that's left is in the um, engraved area. And then as the blade comes back, the top layer of the ink skins over and becomes slightly adhesive. And then when the pad presses down, it's able to lift that ink out of the, the little engraved oh, area. Okay. And then it moves forward. Because it's silicon, it's got very low adhesion. So when it presses down, it just drops the ink off onto whatever is on the other side. So in this case, Paul is printing some dials. Yeah. Just 
water-based coated substrate. Okay. So I guess what, like what's interesting about it and what people are probably unfamiliar with is the fact that each colour has to be set up in turn. So you can see on the shelves behind this, these are all the colours that we've mixed. On the shelf there are the base pigments. Uh, okay. And what we can do is generate, from a Pantone colour reference, we can generate a recipe for mixing the ink from the base pigments. Right. So these are all the different um, Pantone colours that we're printing with oh okay and then yeah so which you've yeah and you've just um you've taken all of those original paints played around with the mixtures to get the colors that you well that we've want. got a, da a database from oh, okay. coats who make the inks so we can say pantone right. 32 red 32 and it would give us a recipe in hundredths of a gram that then we weigh out the base pigments so there's all different like there's three different types of yellow three different yeah right and, and we weigh them out and then mix them together in order to generate the the different colors that we need right so what's time consuming is really the setup of an individual color like loading it onto the machine getting it all registered getting it all ready mm. to go actually then the printing itself is pretty straightforward um thing right yeah but it's it, the setup that takes it's, the exactly mm. it's the the setup and breakdown um and and also what then becomes a challenge is doing like a lot of colors on a print like number cruncher for example mm. the glass on that has 12 colors for or? 14, 14 colours, so, wow, so it's yeah. got 14 different loads of loading an ink on, like setting it up, registering it, making sure it's all um, dead in the right place before printing. So that's quite a time-consuming print for us. Sure. And it's, it's weird because people don't immediately perceive that amount no, of labour. No, you yeah, just, of course not. Because we say you've seen like, digital stuff that... Exactly. You know, you press print and all the colours come out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of the, the challenge. And to be honest, that was one of the things... So I set up this unit as the sort of sampling space mm. in 2011, 20, yeah, 2011. Right. Because um, I'd been out to China to visit the factories. Okay. And I'd sort of seen their setup and thought, it doesn't look that difficult. Yes, yeah. But also I was rubbing up against the limits of what they wanted to do. Like we'd done the Lost Half Tattoo then, which had, I think, eight colours. Is it eight colours on Tattoo? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, and that was kind of the limit of what they were right. prepared to print. Like, sure. more colours than that, they would get funny about. And, and they never actually said no, but they were... You got the impression that they were yeah, a bit reluctant. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it, in a way, being able to do the printing ourselves, it gives us more creative control, but it, it allows us to do stuff that maybe would be uneconomical for, like, a factory yeah, that course. wants to do, like, big, long runs. Yes, and I suppose it, it also allows you to more easily play around with different colours and varieties doesn't it rise if you're having to go off to a factory in China try something out come back it's just that's a oh, more yeah, exactly. elongated process exactly mm. and and that that was the real initial impetus mm. like because it was we'd send up a design we wait three months we get back the sample we spend like 20 minutes revising a couple mm. of tiny elements on the sample and then you need to wait mm. either another three months to resample or another three months yeah. for production and originally I just thought well we could cut out one of those three months Exactly. chunks of time yeah. but you know it's so much nicer now that like it, by the time the sample came back three months later your enthusiasm was waning yeah. <laughs> yes yeah yeah it was yeah. like something that happened ages ago and then yeah. by the time it actually came out which was six months at least after the design had been done you know it was yeah you're probably more thinking oh thank god it's finally here yeah, than... it kind of was yeah yeah and, and this is nicer because yeah. we get you know to maintain some momentum and some excitement around it and and also it's we can try just other stuff out like sure. we collaborate with a lot of different illustrators and artists and that's really good because they challenge us you know they suggest things or ask for things that you know we've never tried before yeah. and that that's really nice you know it keeps it interesting <clears throat> so i said the main bit of kit is the pad printer in right. here the other things we got in here is the laser cutter okay um i showed <clears throat> you a laser cut um Piece of weather all, which yes. is the, the transparent disc material. Like all of the printing that we do is on these aluminium plates that we designed. It's just a way of us getting like a dead on registration. Okay. So there's a setup like that there. You see also where Paul's got the dial holder. There's a similar one, although because it's for dials, he doesn't remove the aluminium plate each time he removes the dial. Okay. So that's just taped into place uh, to keep it from moving around. Sure. So the laser cutter is used for cutting that centre hole for the rivet and then the outer circumference of the disc and it allows us to get that concentricity between the two circles but also allows us to cut it very precisely so that we're 
able to easily separate it from the mm. backing material. Right, so. okay. Yes, yeah, so you're getting a nice clean cut. I mean, it's a small thing, but if you're doing, you know, if we did a run of 100 watches and there's an hour disc and a minute disc, like 200 of them, if you have to spend like a minute like separating the like backing yeah. material, yeah, know, it, it, it becomes it, like a, yeah, a quick, quickly adds up, doesn't yeah. it? So that's the laser cutter. The other machine we've got in here is a laser engraver, and that's for engraving the case backs and also the plates. Yeah. So we've got different templates for different um, watches that we do, and then yeah, these are like oh, they're personal rejects yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, well, it's for the the different models. Although we do do some, yeah, that's like a personal engraving that someone's. Oh, okay. Like, Maybe said you could get that website. Yeah. yeah. But mostly what that's useful for us is for doing the plates. Like we were sending them out to the company that supplies the inks and the pepper printing sundries, who, who were great, but it was still a week to turn them around. Sure. And that was kind of annoying if, like Paul was saying, we, there's 12 colours on Number Cruncher, and Number Cruncher was an example like where one of the plates had a slight error in it. Right. In that was frustrating to have to then wait a week to replace sure. one plate in 12 mm. you know you have to mothball everything and yeah. do something else in the meantime and as and as you said if it's relatively easy to do it yourself why mm -hmm. you know i suppose there's an argument for why not do it because mm -hmm. it gives you more as you've spoken about it gives you more control and flexibility and with expensive machine that's why well, not. Yeah. <laughs> yes yeah yeah no, i'm sure yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but at the end of the day like we thought actually in four years i'll spend on case back engraving and plates we've paid for the machine yeah. so yeah. okay yeah yeah, yeah. that makes yeah. sense Pivot period yeah but yeah, I mean, all of the, the knowledge with the paper has been quite hard won. Like, because it's just used as a quite industrial printing process technology, yeah. like the kind of things we're trying to do with it, Tampo, who supply the machine and the inks, aren't really familiar with our kind of concerns. So yeah, right. Because they're used to someone who set up to print like 2,000 of a plastic component to go into something else. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, just printing a serial number on something or something sure. like that. It's not um, as creative. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and we're really at the precision but small run, you know, getting all the mm. details right and the thing. Fascinating. Really interesting. Thanks, Paul. Lovely. Thank yeah, you very much. Two machines. Thanks, the, these are just like washout cupboards for... So this is like a, um, a thing to trap the solvent vapour and then the other is like a, like a dishwasher for the printing components. Right. Um, but they're quite... The dishwasher one is really fumey, like when you just open the lid up and stuff. So the masks are for when that's... Um, oh, okay, when that needs doing. Yeah, when that's operating. Right. Cheers, Paul. Yeah. As in the past, it's been a watch that we've made with two transparent discs. We're trying to transition to making it with a metal hand where we're printing the text onto it. The reason being is the dust, um, the dust on the discs on that watch is particularly difficult for us because it's got a dial that's mirrored and then there's two almost empty discs right. so any like so tiny more, yeah, speck of dust yeah. like we really can't assemble it successfully here mm. in China when they've assembled it for us they've done it in a proper clean room environment with like hair nets and the double air lock mm. components and stuff so this is our way to kind of get around that so visually I think it doesn't lose very much no you still have the sense of the word kind of floating in there but that's something much more easy for us to cope with so with this one we then only have to worry about dust on the dial because there's no disc hands no in there. Right, of course, yeah. Awesome. Paul sat up there for like spraying the dials. Like we do do some, actually here you can see like this fade from like a dark blue to a light is something we can't do with a pad. I was going to say, you can, yeah. Like, technically it can't do those sort of smooth sure. fades, but we can airbrush them. Um, so they're, they're kind of airbrushed or you've just blanked those dials haven't you before yeah I was reclaiming them okay. they, uh, they came in with some like, scratches on the oh okay on the uh, on the paintwork so instead of sending them back so we sent them back but obviously the factories are trying to replace now so yeah mm. yes yeah of course yeah yeah, this is our current Chinese headache. New Year, isn't it? No, it's coronavirus oh that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it was Chinese New yeah. Year but then Coronavirus happened like just around the same time. So now the factories are closed. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. What's well, the uh, significance of all the stuff over here then? Yeah, I, I had a quick do, look. So we do do some vintage watches. Ah, um, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. 
like I enjoy doing that when I have the time to work on it. Yeah. Um, this is nice. This is very rare. This is a Smith's Quasar. So Smith's were like the English yeah. Yeah. watchmakers. Yeah, so I never knew they had a... A quartz watch. Wow. Literally, there are half a dozen running examples. Mm. There was a big auction like two or three years ago, um, which I think was a lot of stuff that was held by like a production manager or something at Smith's. Okay. So there were things like the quasars that were in there, in that auction, or like I got this nice little chest that's got all um, his spare parts. Actually, that's spare parts for the ladies. Oh, wow. Not super useful. That would be pretty, I was going to say, that would be pretty useful to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was so. really good. Like, it was, in the world of Smith's collectors, it was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, gold <laughs> mine, yeah. Exactly. So wow. John would pay a lot of money for it. Yes, yes. So we, we we've got a a friend who uh, he he runs a family uh, watch shop and watch repairers in Clerkenwell, okay. who we've got friendly with through this. And um, yeah, that would uh, that would excite him a lot. I think to see that. Yeah, he is, he that be his heaven. He's yeah. a. Is he a fan of Smiths or just for? He's he, yeah. He's he's a fan of everything, but he's got a couple of Smiths actually. So I think he I think he appreciates the. Well, it's just more the idea when he fixes stuff. He likes to have all the parts he yeah, can, yeah, so he goes to watches and literally buys yeah, just yeah, boxes like of parts yeah. and the like. Very cool. So, so, uh, so you're you're a watchmaker yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, it's not my background. Like in, right, okay. I so I started Miss Jones. What in fact you can record this. Yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I like I I started Miss Jones watching. 2007 my background's in fine art in sculpture oh, okay so i have an undergraduate degree in sculpture and right. a master's degree in interaction design okay interaction design is any sort of creative use of technology and for a number of years i made one-off pieces for exhibitions that were not really sculpture not really interaction design but some like weird space in between the two okay um i like one of the things i made was a one-off set of watches that each in different ways were supposed to like rather than um, reinforcing the sense of status the watch gives you, they're mm. supposed to reinforce other aspects of your personality. So there's okay. a watch that I'll say to the time with Remember You Will Die that was supposed to make you more humble rather than more right. kind of proud. Or, or there was a watch that gave you a very negative statement, alternate with a very positive statement that was supposed to kind of even up your personality over time. Or another right. that had like a lie detector built in so it flashed when you were lying. And stuff. <laughs> like, so there were kind of playful, provocative okay. things. Um, but so I made those as like a one-off set for an exhibition, and I started thinking, any time you go to like a market in any town, there's always like a stall that sells mm. inexpensive watches. I always thought it was weird because they they mimic very expensive watches, but for like ten pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I just thought like literally the combination of that inexpensive manufacturer but with interesting design could be like a really interesting combination. Yeah. So rather than inexpensive manufacturer with trying to look like Rolex which doesn't make sense no. inexpensive design but with something that was um, designed for that kind of space so I just started emailing watch factories I had no background in it at all right. I knew no one in the watch industry wow. um, and eventually like, I had like five or six factories after the second round of emails there was one factory who was getting back to me who said like 500 watches is the minimum order, you can design your yeah. own case, you can do as many variations in the 500 as sure. you pay like the setup charge. Um, so my background was in five, fine art. I thought what I'll do is limited edition, five designs, 100 pieces of each. They can all be numbered on the back of the case, so it's like a nice thing. Um, and so the first series was just that five watches, five limited editions. What happened quite quickly was one of those was the Remember You Will Die watch. Sure. And that sold out quite fast. And I thought, great, now people will order maybe from the other four that I've got loads left of. Yes, yeah. But they just kept emailing saying, when are you making more Remember You Will Die oh, right. watches? So I thought, well, it was a limited edition, mm. but I could reissue it and yes, call yeah. it part of the permanent collection. Like ah, it's, okay. it's ridiculous. Like There's yeah. only been five watches. One of them's been reissued into the permanent collection. But it was um, so it's starting to, even at that point, it was starting to grow legs already. Yeah, did you have, a, did you have a, a, an inkling then that you could turn it into something more honestly no like I was doing a number of things at the same time um, to try and make my practice more sustainable I was trying to get away from making one-off things for exhibitions which was great like mm. you got to travel around and you got to participate in these exhibitions it just wasn't very lucrative like no. it was hard to pay your rent off yeah. <laughs> sure like yeah um, so I, I was trying a number of things to make this 
make a more commercial practice so make a practice around something that I could sell right watches was one of them but it was actually the one that um I don't know I, I felt there was most scope for like I it, it's all the like there are a ton of pretty practical things it's only boring but actually make a difference like the amount of space you need to store 500 watches it's really small. Like, yes, yeah. you know, you can easily store 500 watches in your flat. Yeah. It's not yeah, a problem. Yeah. It's not like you've made a sofa or something that you need a warehouse and sure. then you've got to move it from the warehouse to the customer. Like, you can post a watch really easily. It's mm. small and lightweight. Sure. Um, but also, like, there's other stuff that I didn't really... I only realised with hindsight that the watch industry is really conservative. Like, to make something that stands out in the watch industry is the simplest thing in the world because it's, it's this really conservative, narrow framework that most watch companies operate within, that yeah. they want to make something that looks like something Rolex made in the 50s because that's what sells and that's what yeah. everyone else does. And it's why would you like deviate from that part? Yeah. Like, okay, I understand and I appreciate that. And I think it's great that that exists in the world. I just think there could be a broader sort of approach to it. Yeah, and, and also now that we're in this time where the watch is fundamentally redundant. Like it's, oh, completely. It's practical role is, is long since gone. So it, it's operating on a different level anyway. So... Mm maintaining that sort of rigid framework that's existed through the 20th century it doesn't really make sense to me so it, it was kind of easy to make these very radically different watches um, and, and exciting you know it's exciting yeah, yeah. to be the one who's making stuff really different I do honestly wish there were more people out there doing more strange yes, experimental yeah, yeah. stuff um, I mean of course there are but a lot of them also tend to occupy the very high end price bracket and exactly like right from the start I wasn't particularly interested in that I wanted to sell stuff to my peers I didn't yeah. really want to feel like okay I, I'm making this rarefied object that only very wealthy people can afford sure like it's not it's not really my thing no I, I, I really appreciate that because there are lots of as you as you mentioned high end watch companies MB&F and Richard Mealy who are doing exactly. the do, experimental like, stuff very, but it's six yeah. figures and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know no one could but people just aspire to own watches like that but they never actually do and you've got a 7 Friday they make pretty crazy stuff mm-hmm. yeah I suppose yeah, like, yeah. They, they are out there I just think the sort of mainstream of watchmaking just isn't in that no it's not at all it's, it's very conservative and as you said you know mm. Oh, the Submariner's great. We'll make a variation exactly. of that and we'll make churn it, that we'll out. We'll make a dive and... watch that looks a bit like a Submariner. Pretty yeah. like, good luck to you, but there's been one million of them already. Yeah, like, exactly. Why? Yeah, do something do something creative like, like you're doing here. And then even Rolex don't change it. Yeah, exactly. They just put a Jubilee brace on But then I, I understand like, why Rolex don't change it, because like, why would you? It's like, a busy Yeah, Rolex. if it ain't broke. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, exactly. It's, yeah, it's all the imitators that I don't care. No, yeah, we we were talking about that on the bus over, weren't we, Chris Ford? Yeah, yeah. I, you see, I've got a lot of time for Chris Ford. I, like, yeah. I can't slag them off because we have a really good relationship with them. Uh, but fine. I agree, like a lot of their stuff, like it doesn't look that different. Yeah. It looks, yeah. it looks um, samey. And, and and I know that companies like that will say, "Oh no, we put our own spin on it," but you know, well, which they do. Which but it's they do. This, like tiny exactly. framework of yeah. what is differentiating. Like you've made a tiny difference to the font, or your your bezel is brown rather than black. Yeah. Like okay. Whereas yeah. whereas I can't stand here and go, oh, Mr. Jones watches look like anything else because they don't, and that's that's not something that a lot of watch brands can say, and it's well, it's brilliant. The thing that really Amazing. got me was the um, I can't what it's called the the, the skull design one. Oh, yeah, so yeah that's my favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. You take the idea of um, of a jump hour, and then you're like, how can we make a jump hour weirder? And let's put it <laughs> on the teeth, and I, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Like for cool, us also, cool that, that was like there are a lot of companies that make a watch with a skull on it, but it's not integrated in the time. It's scheme. not, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like an image, and mm. then there's two hands, and it's like we we're always trying to make it kind of integrate so that there's a skull, but then the skull's there because it's showing you the time because it's on his teeth. Yeah. Like it's a, a kind of holistic approach. Brilliant, yeah. very cool. Yeah. What else do you want to see? What else can I show you in the drawers of vintage watches? Oh wow. Oh, nice. So this is the, the, this is your this is your tinkering drawer. Mm-hmm. This is like things that are waiting to get done. That's a really rare Smiths. That's the, I was going to say. The watch. There are also is, some very uh, this, some dirty is, dozen Smiths. No, there are, but this is no, really common. This is the W10. Oh, is it not? Which oh, they made not dirty dozen. Did they not? No, they. Fucking idiot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I thought they were dirty dozen. That's my. Uh... No, they, I, that's a lovely long machine. That. Yeah, steel hands. Oh, yeah. So these are all the 6B159s, so the Navigator's watch from yeah. the Second World War that yes, yeah. Longines, Amiga, various other firms made. So do you buy these as spares and repairs and do them up then? Is exactly. That? Yeah. 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 Like, 
I mean, a lot of these... So these are all Smith's movements, and these all came from that auction. Oh, wow. Um, that I was talking about. Well, actually, there's two lots. I also bought off eBay, like, a huge collection of movements, but almost all of these are from the auction. That's really nice. Longines. Um, oh, wow. It's the... They're sort of cheap chronograph, where it's all... Um, concentric, so you've got an hour oh, and a minute, a minute for the yeah. chronograph. It's got a refinished dial, like ah, because um, that was looking pretty clean. Yeah, I'm waiting patiently. I've been waiting for like three years for a, a original dial to, to, dial to <laughs> crop up. It hasn't yet. Worth wait. worth waiting for, though. Oh well, no, definitely it would. And yeah. So yes, you buy them, fix them up, then sell them on the website as well. Exactly. I've seen, like, I've seen exactly. Them, yeah. I, I mean, it's. Like it's relatively narrow our focus, which is tends to be on sort of military watches, but particularly like the six P one five nines, the Second World War watches, yeah, sure. or just after or Smiths. Like I love Smiths yeah, watches. They're brilliant. I, they had a real sort of diversity of like models and stuff and the, all the way up to the automatics they made. They you know, they're nice things. And they're English. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That Longine is awesome. Yeah. I think Possibly both of them. Like <coughs> some of the, them are quite inexpensive to pick up because I oh know they are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah but the... that one's been sterilised. Like a lot of them, post-war, they had the military engravings, like rubbed off. Yes. Yeah. To make them a bit more saleable to a civilian market. Yeah. It's the blue steel hands and the non-polished yeah. case. That's so I, cool. Let me, we can open the safe and see like the nice ones. So this is the these are the real goodies exactly. in the safe. This is the good stuff. Oh wow, that's a Smith's Astral. Exactly, that's the skin dive diver. watch. Exactly. Miss the Speedmaster for oh. <laughs> oh yeah. The Speedmaster is interesting. So this um, this is a Rhodesian Air Force um, issued Speedmaster. Like some guy emailed me out of the blue. He's like, I'm Alec. I live in Zimbabwe. I went to this auction. There were like loads of watches. Would you be interested in buying any? I bought a few of him, but then. I met him being like, yeah, I'll buy the rest. And he was like, ah, I've sold them to someone else. Uh, I was like, what are you talking about? You sold yeah. to someone else. But yeah. Wow. That's like, but that's really Military nice. Military issue ones as well. I'll take a photo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Sorry, Paul, you can print. Like, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah please, don't, don't, don't let us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I also see a mem... Is that Memovox? Wow, there's yeah. some... There are that some... Is. That's an IW. That's exactly the IWC, the 6B346. So another Navigator's watch. And some very nice vintage Seiko. Yeah, the Seiko's horrible to service. I kind of. So I'm having that problem at the moment. I've got a vintage Seiko that I was an eBay purchase, and it it works like a dream for six or eight months, and now loses time like no one's business, and no one will touch it. I paid 60 quid for it, and oh, I haven't been quoted less than 250 to get it serviced. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. I may as well just buy another one, and then when that breaks, just keep on, you know, because there's no... Yeah, no, I like, I, I mean, I like that. precision is that a, manual wine. Is that a 45GS? I don't know, it's this, they're like second generation of Grand Seiko, they were chronometer certified. It's not in great, like, it's nice, but the medallion thing, which quite often gets skanked up, is Oh, yes, up. yeah. Yeah, but no one sees the back of it, really, Well, I guess. It's also the dial's a bit... Like, it was not the most expensive Grand Seiko chronometer, like... But I like manual wind watches. Yeah. So do I. Autos. It's, it, I. I like being able to in- pick up a watch and wind it and, you know, interact with it. It's That's part of the charm. Mm. Are these the... Uh, these are personal collections to you, then? Or are you selling like, these, there, or...? There's this sort of fine line between what's my personal collection and what's for sale. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Almost that's a fluid. I was say that's exactly. definitely where I am in quality. I would say almost everything is for sale, but to um, an extent. Yeah. All oh, that's awesome. I know. I, I know. For those of you listening, this is we're making terrible podcast yeah, content, right. but we'll try and we'll try and snap as many photos of these as possible yeah, because there are some to. absolutely phenomenal bits of kit. 
This is really nice. So this is um, Smith's nineteen forty six or forty seven. Like stunning. when they, they they had a small contract with the military to provide a military watch, um, that they never filled or they never entirely filled because they weren't yet at the technical capability to produce a wristwatch. Right. But they sold off some of them afterwards, and they're notable because they say Smith on the dial rather than Smiths. Oh, okay. Subtle nuance. Exactly. They have a slightly yeah. different. Um, they have a thirteen lean. Um, movement, like only on the top plate. The rest of the movement is twelve. Leaves. But they're yeah, they're quite rare. That came from the Cotswold auction, um, two three years ago. Oh, the Smiths one. Mhm. So that's why you've got so many Smiths. Yeah. Well, I quite like anyway. Like I love as well. Um. So what trends watches? Yeah. Exactly. Well, these are all um, English made wristwatches. So pre-war, pre-second world war, English made. So there's a company called um, Rotherham's who yeah. made most of the really nice quality ones. This is nice. This is signed Dent. Dent, who made the um, the clock at the Palace of Westminster, you know, Big Ben. Oh, wow, okay. But this is actually made by Rotherham's. Um, but it's got their really nice movement in. God, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's yeah. nice because it's... Um, it, the aesthetic is very different from a Swiss movement of the same period. Like, it's a pocket watch, really. Yes, yeah, with, 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 with lugs well, well. Yeah, w- w- welded on. Well, okay. yeah, soldered. Well, soldered, yeah. But they're, you know, they're nice things. So there's most of these are Rotherham's watches. There is another firm, um, called Errington, who also made like a wristwatch at this time. But Rotherham's were the only English company that were really large enough to make wristwatches. Like most of the producers were so small. So the theme here of it is English military watches. Yeah, well, actually, English watches generally English, like yeah. these. These are mostly all English made. That's made by Errington, who were like Rotherham's only real rival. So this is nice, dated 1908, on the dial. It's some kind of presentation watch um, that Errington made. Yeah. I mean, they're not like, they look like Swiss trench watches yeah. of the same yeah, yeah, yeah. They are of a, of a kind of style. But I cherish them just for that kind of English movement. But I don't sell these just because... There's a very small market for them, and mm. also they're notoriously unreliable. Right. And, you know, if you're paying good money for a watch and then it stops working yeah. after, like, they just become a bit, um, yeah, a bit fraught. The uh, this JLC is lovely, and it's recent bracelet. Oh, it well. is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Was this an auction? It was, or? and I bought the bracelet separately. I did uh, have another okay. Memovox that had the original bracelet. Like I, I'm the. Uh, end links, I don't think, are quite correctly shaped. I was going to say, like they seem to be moving around. Yeah, they're not really sitting right against the lugs. Right. I need to spend some time just finessing them. Mm. Well, still, it's the dial, the condition mm. down the side of the case. Awesome. Cal, have you, uh, have you seen that? That's nice, yeah. That is nice. Movement. Oh. Is the um So, Odemar's made a bunch of... um. Which is with they they designate the VZSS the caliber. It's like a beautiful like mid twentieth century. This is this is like John John Goldberger talking watches with yeah. the <laughs> cheese knife. knife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, look at that. But yeah, it's just beautifully finished. Like it's a. I haven't serviced this. I'm a bit scared to to be honest. Like certain watches, you're kind of like, oh, I don't. I don't yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't want to. Well, I need that sort of day where I'm just like. You know, it's fine. I've slept really well. I'm really. Can, I haven't got anything else to do. I'm like, can get in here and. Yeah, this is the best chance it. I'm gonna have, sort of thing. Mm. That is amazing. Again, the condition of the case. Yeah, it's, it's gold. Yeah. It's not. It's not scuffed it, off or anything. No, I mean, what is unfortunate is the dial that some. It's had. Uh, like a little scratch on the side at some point. Like, oh yes, yeah. Oh, but I mean, but you know, <laughs> you know, that's why I could afford it. Really, yeah. honestly, like otherwise Amazing. I couldn't. Again, are these, that is gorgeous. Are these auctions, or are you finding these online? Uh, that was through a watch forum, and it was kind of an interesting story oh, yeah. because the day before, like I've been after one for a long time. They don't come up very often, and like because Odemars didn't. Odemars in the mid like the 1950s mm. and so weren't the brand that they are now right and they i mean they were a high-end brand but they there's nothing on it that particularly tells you that it's got that movement inside no so they come up fairly infrequently but they come up infrequently because they're hard to identify like they probably come up more often than i 
think, just yeah, because sure. I, I don't know them, they, yeah. they come up. But so the day before, there was an auction in Sweden where there was one being sold. I was massively outbid. I was out like long before the end of the auction. But the very next day, someone listed that on a forum saying, yeah. oh, I've had this for a while, I'm looking to move it on. He'd bought it from another forum member a few years before, saying, oh, I bit his hand off. I was like, I was yeah. hung over, like looking at it on my phone. And just like, I don't, like the symmetry of the day before I had been outbid on one and then yeah. uh, I, I was kind of am I it's not real like yeah. I don't believe it <laughs> yeah it can't yeah it can't be that oh, two yeah. have come up so soon amazing this I bought is it this one no it's there's another long jeans that has um the longest long oh, wow. engraving so this was presented to Wilfred Southall after 67 years service with Southall's Birmingham Southall's um, I did read it it's, it's kind of an interesting story he was kind of philanthropist and stuff but it's just the idea that this is a presentation watch after 67 yeah, that's years amazing. so a whole God. working life and then wow. some of was he when he started <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, 20 years yeah, actually he'd set up the company to uh, oh okay and, <clears throat> and by all accounts I think he was blind towards the end of his life so I'm not sure how much use he got no out of the watch, no needed one of those uh, Seiko Braille watches yeah Seiko Braille oh yeah they're amazing so they have the, the crystal is hinged and you can open it and it's got hands but all of the indices are also raised and you, you can see what it is. yeah you can run your you run your hands over it to see what the time is and then you close the crystal again are you talking about talking about dust on the dial that must be uh, yeah. significant I th- well uh, yeah but I mean if you're blind I mean I don't really think yeah, that's, that's going to be much of an issue that is true I suppose Smith's made one actually and um, they bought in the dials from Switzerland so they made a oh, okay. watch but suppose it was they were subsidised. They were sold at like a cost price, but you had you had to be registered blind to yeah, buy yeah. them. Right, so, okay. But anyway, no one else would want them because yeah, they had like the yeah. hinged, weird <laughs> yeah. dial. And yeah, I um, I I see them crop up every so often. There's a there's a chap I follow on Instagram who was a Seiko seller, and he has some quite frequently. And I do sometimes think, oh, why don't I just buy one? Just because yeah. it's a bit, it's a conversation mm. starter. But sorry, this one, yet. do you buy it from? Uh, did you buy it from the owner or? No, no, no. I bought it from an auction and I thought it was kind of sad. Like, oh, I thought it was sad that for 300 quid or whatever I paid for it, I could buy this watch with a 67 yeah, year yeah, engraving yeah. on it. I thought it was tragic. Yeah. It's a shame. Um, Real shame. Because the family member would have just sold it. Yeah. I just think, just, yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's, I think, 57 or something like that, the year of it. And I just think yeah. it becomes too. Like it's someone's, it's someone that's you've never met. Like someone's inherited that watch from the son of the person who yeah. died. So yes, yeah. That sort of association gets lost. Yeah. Um, Cow, look at that. Oh. <laughs> oh. That is great. That is amazing. So Lemania made quite a number of um, mono pusher chronographs for the. They must have made for the Fleet Air Arm of the Royal Navy, but this right. is an RAF issued one. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it's like <clears throat> that in the world of military watches, the kind of detail that people are interested in. Yeah. So it's oh, yes, Air Ministry yeah. signed rather than um, HS9, which is the normal designation for the Fleet Air Arm version. Wow. That is getting into the yeah. military watch. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> That was one. Do you recognise them? I think they make they make some alright watches, don't they? Yeah, Patrick something or other, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Wow, that's a Yeah, that What's the story behind that? Was that a was that a, a an eBay find or an auction? It was an auction in um uh, where like Ashford kind of area. Right. Um yeah, I like I've wanted one for a while. It's really nice, like it's the gorgeous. dials, beautiful condition. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's the first generation of Patek um automatic movement. So it's got. Is it? It's the one that's got the really over the top decorated rotor. Yeah, we're not going to open it. I think I've closed it up on the proper tightener. Oh right. But but yeah, it's just got the very beautiful movement. I was a bit underwhelmed though, actually. Like once you service it and you see the underside of the rotor, and it's like it's just got machining marks on it. I'm like, mm. yeah, particularly. Yeah, cool. they're all the same. <laughs> yeah. My friend bought a Caltrava and um, bought it straight from what's in Switzerland, brand new, and it, as we said before, had dust under the dial. Oh really? And then he tried to take it to the uh, in-house watchmaker, and they're like, oh well, you know, pat it, do this, and it's like, well. 
I just spent however much money on a brand new couch or whatever. You could, uh, mm. you could at least make sure there's no dust under there. I guess that's the beauty of uh, handmade, handmade watches. Mm. Uh, Wow. What a collection. I mean, they're at the... Uh, if I had to go 24 somewhere, or... Yeah. <laughs> yes. I thought we were missing a train. Um, so these are all variations of the Second World War Navigator's watch, yeah. the 6 oh, yeah. nines. Yeah. So there's some quite the unusual cool ones. Exactly. There's, wow. there's Amiga, but there's like two sizes of Amiga, there's like the big and the oh, small, yes, yeah. or there's that which is the Weems um, so rather than having like a hacking mechanism on the seconds it's a way that you synchronise the seconds with a known time source. Oh wow, so, is, so does that second crown lock the bezel in? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's a, a fairly inefficient mechanism uh, on these, yeah. Um, and they're, mostly you find them with that broken and indeed the, this one was broken, there is a guy who makes so replacements and parts exactly yeah. right. specific for for that. Uh-huh. See, this is why I, I want to become a watchmaker so I can buy watches like this on eBay for peanuts. <laughs> exactly, and then some for fortunes. Yeah, so well, I can imagine. Yeah. Like, what if the few? This was cheap, the Movado. Oh wow! But it, they are quite expensive normally, but I don't know. I got lucky that it was a buy it now, three hundred pounds. Um, see, see, that's the thing. The 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 beauty of having a a a certain degree of knowledge is that some people don't and sell things not knowing what they are. And I think, and actually, his problem was that they're so rare that he couldn't look on past auctions and see Movado sixty one five nine. Yes, we thought, thought oh, it must be yeah. you know just a cheap old. He's a seller in France, but yeah, right. I so I think I've got all of the. They made them in <clears> like really cheap. Um, chrome plated cases but also they most of the manufacturers made a version for the RAF in a stainless steel case and I think there's all the stainless steel the Lacoutre Longines Abel Amiga Movado I think that was all of the manufacturers wow. who made in the stainless steel you've got all the great matte finished mm. uh, cases with the uh, blue steel hands they're awesome it's a, that is a very very nice combination isn't it the mm. steel blue hands and the nice cream wow this is the rare um, Smith's military watch so this is their general service watch that they made in the 50s this one's 1956 issue wow um, but they had so Smith's for a long time were trying to oh, second time's catching and um, were trying to get a government procurement contract to supply watches to the military mm. they finally succeeded with the W10 which was that one that they made um, in very large quantities at the end of the 60s so from 67 to 1970. But then the this one was their, you know, pitch to get that kind of contract that didn't quite work out. So they only made, I think, about 300 of these that were bought by the military, but then they decided not to go ahead with a big order. Like it was sort of oh, okay. preliminary order sure. to test. And they ended up being the more, uh, more collectible ones. Oh, well, yes, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And from the Smith's auction, that's... I think this was the sample case that Denison made for them. Like, it doesn't quite look the same as the production case. Oh, yes, yeah. There was slight. I think this was the, like, handmade um, sample. Wow. Yeah. That is a... Yeah, it's a very serious collection. Yeah. Amazing. I, I really love that you that you, your, your focus is on English watchmaking. I think that's really, that's really nice because you don't see a lot of... Nice. You don't see a lot of people who... Um, who, who have a real appreciation for well like English military watch, like so many people don't know like you know they yeah. think the Swiss the only people who ever made a watch yeah, yeah. yeah. how wrong they yeah. are I mean I wish I could get more into pocket watches because I think there's real value in pocket watches but I've got only very few but this is made by Nicole Nielsen um, who are like the top um, you know they were the top Victorian Watchmaker, they're a real Patek Philippe of English late nineteenth century watchmaking, and um, but it's just beautifully made movement. Obviously, because they're bigger movements, you can uh, you can. Wow, do look at that! Yeah. Again, it's signed Dent, like Dent, who you know the, that other little watch was, but that was nice. Like this is a nice watch to service. That is just stunning, isn't it? 
just stunning. But Nicole Nielsen, like, it's hard to find their watches because most of them are some of the retailers. So Dent with the retailer, it says, like, Dent's quite desirable as a retailer, but they made for less desirable retailers as well. Mm, right. And only very occasionally signed under their own brand. Wow. What do we make of the Queen? Queen Victoria. Amazing. But there's that. Oh, there's also a Sun and Moon pocket watch. Oh, wow. Um, like, Sun and Moon pocket watches went through a couple of moments of popularity this is from like the second wave of popularity which I think is like late 1700s right. but like I wanted one for a while just because we make a sun and moon watch you know it's yes a yeah nice, of course yeah, you do yes a nice yeah. kind of thematic link amazing wow but yeah I think if you get into collecting pocket watches like that's where the real value yeah. is like now it's so competitive for I tend to be a bit of an Amiga snob that tends to be mine yes that's your your, your penchant. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I'm not a massive Amiga fan, I have to say. Like, I, they're, they're really nice movements to service. They're really <coughs> nicely made. But there's something a bit... Mm. Yeah, you make metal. about 400 uh, Amiga Speedmaster limited editions. Yeah. See, that's what annoys me about Amiga, is keep, basically keep every single watch they make is a limited edition. But one thing they do really wrong is they... They focus too much of their marketing on the Seamasters and the Speedmasters, but then they've got some like awesome watches that aren't really that publicised as much. Yeah. Mm. Like Acutera World really Timer. Acutera, they got the Devils, they're awesome. And uh, yeah, they, they just sort of focus on the commercially successful ones rather than. I think the Yagalakutra, like mid 20th century brands, were the really interesting one. They made such odd things like the Memovox alarm. Memovox, yeah. yeah. The Futuramatic, the Powermatic. Yeah. Like, oh, the, I love the Power. I love that Futuramatic with the little. Things. Yeah. Little Actually, I've got a few Futuramatic. I don't have one at the moment, but I do. I always keep my eye on them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very cool. They are tedious to service, but then Yagalakutra at the time made a really comprehensive service guide, and you can just follow it like step by step, and you're not going to run into any yeah. trouble, really. So yeah. I've got a, uh, I've got an Amiga Chrono Stop, which again okay. for the time it's just sort of weird because it's just a, it's a mono pushy chronograph essentially, but with no actual chronograph register. It's just a one minute timer. Yeah, yeah. So what's the point of that watch? And then obviously they did the one that was sideways. Mine's the non-sideways one. Mhm. Well, I like, and I, I think those kind of eccentricities are to be cherished. Yeah, you know, was, people yeah. love that. Yeah. And it tended to be in periods when the Swiss watch industry were a bit. Shaky and they're trying to come mm-hmm. up with new crazy stuff. Yes, exactly. Quartz oh, Crisis. Oh, wow. Uh, now they. James had one of these, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I like it, but then it, I bought it and I thought, oh, I've got it for a really good price, and then it was dead. And then you can't get parts for them. No, no, right. So I had to send it to whatever the authorised um, service guy is out in Essex. Oh yes, um, STS something like that. Yeah, I, I Swiss uh, time services. Like he charged me an arm and leg. He got it running. Like it works great now. Yeah. But at the end of that service charge and the amount I paid, I was just like, this was stupid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> what have I done? Um, yeah. I mean, I like it. I like it as a. It's a historical. Exactly. Piece of watch, like that well, weird. and also, I mean, if we're going to talk about conversation starters. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't see. They're pretty hard to come by, and they're just they're so unusual, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, you I can't somewhere get you can get the um, you get copies of the chronometer certification because they were certified in France for some reason. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but you can. And I've, I have got somewhere the observatory certificate for this watch. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I thought that things like that are nice, but you know, the arm and the leg it costs to get it going again. So when you yes, did yeah. the. Uh... You came up with the idea of making the limited run of watches mm-hmm. in the first place. Were you already a watch bloke at that point, or is that what kicked off? Um, I might have on the shelf. I had a watch designed by this guy Tian Harlan called the Chromacron. You may have seen it. It's not super well known. It, it comes with this cute little book. Um, let's see. Maybe I don't have it here. I also see a the Damien Hurst yeah. swatch, which I I meant to pick up at the time, never did, and they're now you worth an absolute. I mean, this one's not. This is the like edition of ten million. Like the... even so, though, they're still quite hard to. The f- That's just brilliant. I know, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm I'm a bit of a swatch. I was gonna say yeah. fanboy. Um, that's just. 
It's just cool, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a couple that are a bit out there, and I wear them all the time, and they're just, you know... It's such a perfect demonstration of why watches shouldn't take themselves too seriously. Too seriously. Yeah. I, I thought as well, it w- I was impressed that um, you could come up with something as ingenious as that. Um, it's, it's kind of effortless, that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm impressed with that. I was yeah. like, wow. Um, wow. This, <laughs> this is a Peter Gabriel swatch that I don't think the battery is still live, but it plays a little melody and the hands spin round. Blimey. Wow. But yeah, no, it's not. I don't know if we've got a battery for it. There was a Jean-Michel Jarre one as well that I think I had, but like I mean that for packaging. I know it's brilliant. Yeah, well, it's, it's like um, they've just um, they, they they've just released a series of commemorative James Bond swatches, and oh, they all so come. Yeah. The boxes are all uh, VHS cassettes nice. of the old Bond films. The boxes look like so you slide it out and lift the lid up. I mean, yeah, we say the Swiss watch is very conservative boring. Obviously, Swatch. Yeah, exactly. Is That's outside the side of that. Completely. Wow. And they still own ETA in the last so mm-hmm. they're, Yeah, they're, they're laughing. laughing. Everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. There it is. This you won't have seen. Uh, no, no, I can safely say this I This have... is by Mewadenki, who are... That poster is from Mewadenki. I met them a few times. I, so when I was doing exhibitions, I did a number in Japan. Mewadenki are like... Um, the sort of musicians, but also artists. But you can see, like, the weird instrument he's holding in the uh, image. Yeah, I... It's like a weird saxophone, but it's right. it's got sort of clacks and horns, like, from a... Car, <laughs> right. sort of hot rodder culture. Like he just makes these bizarre instruments. But this one, you dial the number of the Japanese speaking clock. But I'm certain the batteries will be dead. Oh right, so you it's like dial... when you call. Um, what was the English yeah. equivalent? That one. What did you used to dial? Can't I remember. can't remember. There was a number was, you dial yeah. on the phone, and it would tell you the. They'd tell you the time. Exactly, and so this was in Japanese. <laughs> the time to, you can also dial like the emergency services in yeah. it. it like it's so it's basically like a brightening emergency alarm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, basically. That is. Yeah. I mean, what a bit. Of, I mean, you'd never wear it. I mean, actually, I no, know, I don't, I, no, I don't think I have ever worn it. I might have worn it once for a photo. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the. It's not the most practical. Amazing. But the, oh, I, I mean, I think you're really interesting because they make so they do concerts where they make their own instruments and they do the performances, but then they also make like toys. Why, like why did you novelty goods? I guess so, that was an auction, was it? No, no, this was in Japan. Actually, I might have been given this by them because I met them at quite a few exhibitions right. and stuff. I did exhibitions with them. Then oh, you were okay, doing so some watches yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I think this was a really bad seller for them. I guess you could imagine. <laughs> I mean, the practicality. Like, I mean, having to call up every time you want the time. <laughs> I don't know if I... Like, the, what fun. The, the toys they made that were more successful, they made like little <clears throat> wind-up sort of musical toys that were kind of... They fitted in a bit more with the sort of musical right. performance stuff that this was just like weird. They made a sort of weird TV remote control that looked like one from the 60s or something. Like, it was just really obscure yeah, stuff yeah. that um, didn't sell. Wow. What was, the, uh, what was the first watch, then? You ever, you ever ascertained? Oh, yeah. The, the one, first like watch. Like, in my life, yeah. like What was the one that started the, yeah. started the interest, I suppose? Probably the Chromacron. Um, let's go yeah. back. Let me put... Yes, yeah. Put stuff back in the safe. We promise that none of them have found their way into our pockets. <laughs> that don't have to do a count. We'll... Yeah, very cool. It's good. I mean, like it's I... really fun. Those military issued ones. It's just an extra. Yeah, like military issued speedmasters, pretty rare things. Yeah. The yes. Yeah. Had some. The issue with it is more like if you look into the Rhodesian Air Force in the 60s, it's not pretty. Like it's <laughs> right. Um, it's the sort of white awesome. supremacist government. It's right. like against the um, Zimbabwe rebels yeah. led by Robert Mugabe. And it's probably be some blood on that, Watson. I mean, it's more like war crimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's not a, yeah. Yeah, I have mixed feelings. The about, Amiga Speedmaster Hague edition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but well, see, but uh, even so, you know, it's still, uh, I suppose, uh, colourful history is still. It's, 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 it's like people who um, collect 
Luftwaffe issues. Well, that's what I was going to say. The well, I was going to say, but yeah. that's kind of a small collection. And to be yeah, honest, in the military really. community, they're not that mainstream. No, no, I suppose you're right. Yeah. But I guess the Rhodesian Air Force, like, no one here really knows that. I didn't know that. Like, when yeah. the guy... And, in fact, they were then taken on by the Zimbabwe Freedom Fighters, like the Zimbabwe Air Force, and used by them, but... Yeah. Yeah. I, mm, yeah. yeah. It's a bit. Mm. It's a bit funny wearing it. Yeah. I, well, it's just a bit funny, like celebrating the Rhodesian people's history because it's not. A, yeah. yeah. Not. Not. Not, not pretty. Nice one, no. no. <laughs> wow. But yeah. Thank you very much for showing us. Well, should we? Uh, should, should we? Let me see if I've got the phone on here. If not, I'll show you pictures on screen. Yeah. But that great. was the Chromacron was kind of. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've heard of them. Chromacon doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, if not, we can uh, put some photos in the show notes. Yeah, no, I don't. Like, a lot of the, my books are at Oxo. I'm really excited. Yeah. Mm, no. It's a shame because the book's really cute. Like, it's a. I'll show you. It's a bit like a Cyclops watch. Like oh, okay. It's a colourful. Thank you very much, Paul. Cheers, Cheers. nice to meet you. Do you want to carry on doing the same sort of idea, or do you want to start making things in house more in terms of the? the okay, we would we would love to be in a position to modify the mechanical display of the movement. Right. So, actually, I have various bits and pieces. I would love to do like a wandering hour watch. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously, at the moment, all your designs are fitting around what you can. Exactly. What you can get in terms of the movements. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that would really free us up. Is this one from... Yeah, this is... This is quite an inexpensive Wandering Hour watch. Um, it's not even signed, I don't think, in the, the case or anywhere. But they've made a number of more or less minor modifications to... This is like the standard ETA um, mechanical movement. Yeah. And yeah, it's a simple system for doing like a wandering jump hour. Right. So, you know, that angle that it's pointing to is the minutes yeah, and yeah, then sure. the hour you read through a little disc there. Right. Um, so that kind of okay. thing, we would, but I don't know how far we are away from that being a reality right. because that's been on my to-do list for yes, yeah. years. Um, but we're moving in, we're moving into a new premises, hopefully in the summer, we bought an old shop in Forest Hill. Okay. That we we're renovating to send into a sort of combined workshop and sort of admin space. Oh, like brilliant. We're, we're a tiny company, but we're quite separated. Sure. So there's the Ellie and Natalie who sit in Oxo. Yes, working yeah. there. Okay, we have a meeting with them once a week. They come over here on Monday. And we, but it's weird. Like, sure. You know, how many half a dozen employees mm-hmm. and two of them are sitting remotely I mean the social media stuff can happen more separately because yeah, it's say, yeah. Um, yeah. slightly less integrated but that's our big sort of thing on the horizon right um, to sort of bring that all together because also we we spend a lot of time so we do all the assembly here we do all the testing and then they get sent over to OXO to be packed up and then sent out to customer orders mm. Just that, like logistics and moving stuff it's around. Sending, and, sending and around yeah. Even like the custom engraved case backs, we need to sort of set aside some time outside the production in order to. Okay, there's like half a dozen custom case back engravings yeah. to do, so mm. we'll sort of batch them together. But I think if we're all together in one space, that could happen more easily. Nat- Natalie Relly could just do that. It's not a technical sure. no, no. thing. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of mentally, I think 
like we've done the move like we're just waiting to leave yeah. now so we're, we're looking forward to that I wonder if it was one of the two because so Cal and I are both members of Red Bar okay. and we I was at a Red Bar meet up last beginning of last year and there was a lady from Mr well who was representing you there on a stand with a couple of your watches in the corner just sort of it was just a, a just a regular meet up and they were there showcasing some of your watches okay. and that's where I first came across you yeah I wonder if that was a reseller though oh it could have been maybe it might have been longer ago than that actually but that was the first time that I okay. sort of yeah that I uh, that I came to know about you and I've been Okay, cool. Oh. We've been big fans ever since. I wasn't there, though. No, you, no, you weren't. No, you weren't, were you? No, unfortunately. Hi, guys. Um, sorry about that episode getting cut off so abruptly. We had to cut it short because the end of the conversation was uh, a discussion about the embargoed watch that Crispin was wearing, which obviously we can't share with you. But thank you very much for listening. We hope you uh, enjoy listening to this episode as much as we did recording it. We just had so much fun. Um, it was it was just amazing. So thank you very much again to Crispin. And if you haven't already, please go and check Mr. Jones out. They make just brilliant watches. Um, and it's just, we have such a great appreciation for them now that we have seen how they get made. Um, as always, please go and follow us in all the usual places on Instagram and our website. And uh, see you in the next one.